All right, you ready to do this with the On Something Podcast? This would be the On Something Podcast, and my name is Zane Witcher. It's a podcast where basically we talk about the things that are most important in life, things like your faith, relationships, and the work that you want to contribute to the world. Now, today I want to share with you a friend who's been a longtime friend ever since the days of, well, college where we had stars in our eyes. Uh, her name is Bailey Plake. Uh, we interned together both in college, and it was really fun, really sweet times. Uh, got into a little bit of shenanigans. She let me get thrown into a lake once. Don't hold that over her. I mean, maybe a little bit. But she's going to talk about a couple interesting things today. First of all, listen in. Uh, she's got some great insight on why the table matters uh, and also why baking is a very restful process, but also a meaningful process with her relationship with God. So hold on to that. She also talks a little bit about how to transfer even though she's doing a job that's different than what uh, her field of study was, she talks about how those two things coincide and transition together. Uh, and then finally, she also talks about what it's like to move from dating uh, to partnership with her husband. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to Bailey Blake. Hey everyone. Okay, so we've got uh we've got Bailey Plake with us today. Bales, thanks for uh being with us. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna be real fun. Some of you would know Bailey uh through uh the name uh this was the uh her Batman name, but Bailey Kate. Um, but Anthony has stepped into her life now and has changed that for us. So that's okay. We'll get used to that. I, I had to pray over this morning to make sure I wasn't going to use your maiden name instead of Plake. Do you still have people that call you Bailey Kate? Oh yeah. And I think the problem there is it sounds like a middle name. So people think that it's like Mary Kate or, you know, Anna Kate or something like that. And so they just say Bailey Kate. And I have elders at my church who email my old email. I'm like, that's no, fine. they don't. Oh yeah. No, they don't. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. I, it doesn't bother me. It just forwards to my new address. Yeah. Technology is yeah. the best. <laughs> yeah, I mean to say Bailey Kate Plake would just be too. That'd be too complex across the it's board. Too much. Yeah. Too much. Too much. Too okay, so let's introduce you to the people in the room who may not all right. know you. Um. All right. So if I were bringing them in to introduce you. What uh, what three words would you use to describe uh yourself if I was like, hey, you're about to meet Bailey. She is laid back, creative, and thoughtful. Okay, okay. That's who she is. Okay, okay. Right. No, I think I think that's dead on. Yeah, I would use yeah, I okay. I would use um. <laughs> I want to change mine now compared to what I used, but I'll, I'll stay honest. I'll stay honest. Um, I would use aware. Thank you. I would use baker. Yes. And I would use prompter. Prompter. Tell yeah. me more. Well, so on prompter, I just feel like, I feel like I've watched you have a lot of conversations with people where like, People say things like, well, I mean, you know, it's not much of a big deal. And you will always be like, no, it's like totally a big deal. Tell me more about it. Like, I feel like that's always your posture in conversations with people. So I feel like you prompt people. Thank you. I yeah. like that. Yeah. I will take that. Yeah. And I am a baker. Yeah. So. Hardcore. 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 Well, let's, uh, let's touch on the baking then for a second. Because like, if... If you looked at Bailey's Instagram, it wouldn't be a family. It would be of the family of things that have been baked. Like what a foodstagram. <laughs> foodstagram. It's there. Even your quote at the top has yes. to do with food, right? Yes. I... It's like a really meaningful quote. Thank you. I did like a whole communion thought over it. Actually, I did a two-part communion series on it because they had me host two weekends in a row. And uh-huh. so I said, we're back and I'm going to continue this thought train. If you were gone and you missed it, come talk to me. I'd love to keep going. Um, I just yeah. think that we don't give our food enough. We we don't ascribe enough like holiness to our food. Like the I think the quote in my mm. bio is something about food is God's love made edible. 
And I think yeah. food is a really special way that we can connect with him. And most of us are like, oh, we can just drive through and get something quick. And I think that's totally fine. And it works when you need it to. But there's a mm-hmm. bigger thing that can happen when we put intentionality into the things that we eat and into who we enjoy it with. And so I think you can experience God through the community who you're eating with, through the food that you're eating, and just have this like really holy moment that we often just are like, I'm just trying to nourish myself. But God didn't just make it for our nourishment. He also made it for our enjoyment and something that we can do together. So I just think that's super Mm -hmm. special. And that's why I love Mm -hmm. food so much. (laughs) Absolutely. Wow. That, wow. You're like fully endorsing your brand here. (laughs) What people can see. It's so true though, that the table is like this window that you jump into that it can teach you all of these different things that you don't even know until you just deeply dive into it. Yeah. I mean, I think, if you, there's a really good book called Taste and See by Margaret Feinberg, and it talks about all the food that's mentioned in the Bible. So she like talks about salt, goes into fish, and she like goes to these places and goes like to the source. So she's in the salt mine. She goes to, I think she goes to Jerusalem. She goes somewhere in the Holy Lands and like goes fishing, like with fishermen and not like a modern fishing. Like she goes biblical fishing and is like talking about how we just don't even know the things that God wants to experience with food because we've made it so microwavable and so instant and fast where we're like we could be having these moments of deeper community around the table if we would just take a minute and think about the food that we're eating so that's what I want to do with my friends heck yeah did you read that I did yeah I read it super good i'm working on a book i'm not working on a book i'm reading through a book called <laughs> food and faith or faith and food um and then uh-huh. i have a few other ones that are like by chefs and stuff that are people of faith that i just find very interesting so <laughs> i'm just very interested in the awesome. intersection of food and faith so that's what i've been learning absolutely yeah Dan, and how how'd you find that first book uh, I have followed that lady for a while. She spoke at if gathering a few times. Um, mm-hmm. and so the book is actually quite old, but it just came up as something oh. I thought I would want to read last year when we were all just sitting at home. So I was baking a lot more. Um, and I was like, I just think there's something more here than just like making cupcakes. and. It's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I think yeah. Even the just hobby like of process, it. Waiting. Yeah. Yeah. The hobby of it is special too, as a way that you can connect with God. And like, I mean, there's really interesting things about how we get just like flour to our table. I'm a Midwestern girl. And if you talk about wheat and corn and soybeans, like we can go on forever about just the process of the growing and getting our ingredients. But um just spending time mixing those together I do a lot of bread baking and you know kneading it with your hands and thinking about just you need salt water flour and you can make bread and I think it's really cool that God made that possible (laughs) he's like you'll just need flour and water yeah so yeah, or just the or just the like giving us taste buds and different experiences to taste. If it was just transactional, of like right. you just need energy to sustain you, why make it so good and fold in flavors and forms and exactly. everything like that? <laughs> I think about that too. Of like, there's so many ways that we could get our energy or could get our nourishment, and it didn't have to be mm-hmm. something we enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just another good part of. God and the things that he I think if he created it for our enjoyment then that's just an opportunity that we have to connect with him so wow that's Bailey and Sue. I love that <laughs> wow Dave yeah there was there was way more depth than I was ready for I thought, I thought I was <laughs> tell me about baking questions to get there and you were like boof right there okay so let, let, let's ask this then. um okay. if if you were if you were having someone over Mm-hmm. And it was like, I'm going to bake or I'm going to make 
the thing that like, yeah. like say like, say like you want these people to truly feel your hospitality. What's mm-hmm. like your go-to that you're like, I know I can swing for the fences with this. Oh, absolutely. I'm going to make a sourdough bread and it's going oh. to probably take two or three days. So we're going to have to prepare a little bit. And that's one of my favorite things about like this, like artisanal form of bread is it takes preparation. And I think that's a thing that we've lost too, right? Of like, we want things to be quick and our culture is quick. But when we say, it's going to take me some time to do this, it's going to show you how much I am anticipating your arrival and how long I thought about you coming. And so I'm often like, okay, we're going to do this kind of bread and it's going to go with this kind of meat. My husband, Anthon, um, is a big fan of like, the smoker and so he'll smoke meat and so that is a process where he'll be up at like five o'clock in the morning working on you know whatever meat we're going to have and I'm going to be up at five o'clock in the morning needing whatever bread we're going to have and so the meal just becomes (laughs) this like longer process and then when you eat it you experience this like it took a long time for this to happen and it is sustaining me in a different way it's not just nourishing my body and giving me energy but it's like I worked hard for this and I think it matters like Uh the process of getting here matters more than just saying I'm throwing a pizza in the oven but we also throw pizzas in the oven so don't hear me say that we don't do that but when you do take time (laughs) I just don't want people to be like Bailey hates microwave pizza I do not I think it's amazing but (laughs) when you take some intentional time maybe it's like on your Sabbath day to say, or not your Sabbath day, probably it's not really rest for everyone, but whatever you're doing, set to carve out intentional mm-hmm. time of like, this is an extra way I'm going to connect with God. I think you'll find something there. So, or at least we have. Absolutely. So. See, as a two, <laughs> when I hear you say those things, it destroys me because the idea of me coming over and knowing that you and your husband woke up at 5.30 to prepare whatever it is, it's that. like. <laughs> but, some, but some of those things you would know. Like if you're yeah. like an amateur, you'd know like, oh, she didn't just like whip that up in like an hour or two. But right. as a two, that like destroys me that like y'all would go to that much energy. But sure. like it's also an act of love to be like, um, I'm going to take this much time to prepare yeah. something. I don't know. I just think like, I, it, Anthony will give me a hard time sometimes because people will say, what can we bring? And I'm like, uh-huh. I don't want them to bring anything. I just want them to come and feel like this is a place where you can relax and you, everything is done. And all you have to do is show up. And Anthony's like, you're not letting them participate. Like they, they want to bring something or whatever. And so that's something we kind of go back and forth on too. And it seems to kind of be the same thing of what you're saying. of like, I want to be able to contribute. and I you know, sometimes we do that, but sometimes it's just a nice reminder that you can come and just sit down. So just come. Mm. The table is mm. already set. Wow. So. <laughs> Good green fails. Wow. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Man, when I sent you that question, I had no idea you had that much like going on with it. I, I mean, know. I was like, he doesn't know where he's going. He, he's like, hey, yeah. and I'm like, do you really want to dive into this can of worms? But yeah. So yeah. it's taken me on a pretty long thought journey of it too. Like, I mean, I started baking. You can tell me to shut up anytime. But um, I started baking with my grandma back when I was. Mm in like middle school just on like Saturdays and she would say Mm. she's not a cook or a baker I would agree um she would this would not hurt her feelings to hear that but she like burns everything and she's like not ashamed of that but she just keeps trying and so we would make like box brownies or we would and the edges would get like super crispy or we would make bunt cakes she loves making bunt cakes and I have her bunt cake pan Mm. Now she gave it to me and she's like, oh. you should have this. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's like so thick. You can't buy them like that anymore. Um, and then I remember too, just like middle school, high school on Saturdays, I'd be helping my parents both work night shift jobs. So my mom was a night shift nurse and my dad worked uh-huh. at EPS. And so on Saturdays, 
I was often preparing meals for my brothers while we, you know, cleaned up the house and got ready for the week. Um, and I'd be watching the Food Network on the TV in our kitchen, watching like Emerald and um, Sarah Moulton and Rachel Ray and watching them th- do things uh-huh. like take a strawberry and turn it into a sorbet or, you know, they take this piece of chicken and make it into this beautiful thing. And I just remember thinking that was so amazing. And I would try to do that and we would end up with, you know, Kraft macaroni and cheese. And that was just fine. (laughs) Now, I think when I got to grad school, high school and college got really busy. And when I got through my first year of grad school, I realized I really needed something that was going to be restful, but still meaningful. And I hadn't found any sports that were that for me, not really super athletic so it wasn't like I was gonna go run I enjoy running but I'm not like (laughs) connecting with God while I run I'm like swearing at the earth but um I started baking (laughs) I started baking and like just found this like deep sense of rest and um I probably spent too much time baking so teachers would be like this paper is you know so so but beautiful cake thank you so much um (laughs) so anyway then I took kind of a break when I transitioned and we can go into more of this just talking about transitioning into a new phase of life in the middle of my master's I was hired at a church um to do youth ministry and I paused again kind of on this like restful baking thing until maybe two years ago when I started realizing that I was so stressed and I wasn't having good ways to connect with God and wasn't um, dealing with all of my stress really well. And so it all kind of caught up to me and food really was something that healed me, not just the baking and the cooking of it, but the actual food that I was, I had to change what I was eating. Um, after a course of like having a lot of blood drawn and stuff. So that's more than you asked for, for sure. <laughs> no, but that, no, that was, uh, I, there's pieces of that. The timeline, I didn't even know. I mean, we've been friends yeah. for some years now and I, I did not know the progression, nor did I know when it started. And it's, sure. it, it makes so much sense with the grad school thing of like, you know, they've said like, if you work a lot with your head, rest is working with your hands. If you work mm-hmm. a lot with your hands, then rest is working with your head. And right. it sounds like that was like deeply interwoven. I just didn't know that started in grad school. I, I yeah. Didn't. When we were in grad huh. school, just like reading so much and yep. trying to keep up with all the different things that were going on. I was like, I just need something where I don't have to remember everything that's going on. And so it was super helpful. I had the world's smallest kitchen in the world's smallest refrigerator and I did a wedding cake and catered an event with like 250 cupcakes yeah. that year. It was horrible. It was great. Yeah. It was horrible. <laughs> I don't know how I did that. Would you do it all over again if you could? Would you I had a great wedding? time. I would do that wedding again. I would do it differently, but okay. it was still okay. a great experience. And so I've gotten to do two more wedding cakes. One really recently that was really fun. So. Uh-huh. Yeah. it's fun to be part That's of people's awesome. experience like that yeah yeah so <laughs> when you feel like you've got that gift to give to it yeah okay. and it's like wow you're gonna enjoy this beautiful cake you've just united yourselves together with god and eat cake <laughs> they them. make your cake and yeah. have it too exactly it. Let's talk about, so since you mentioned the grad school piece, let's talk about school a little bit. So you did, yeah. you did undergrad in communications, you did grad in communications, you sure did. did the long haul of communications, sure did. as people can see, you're phenomenal at communicating. <laughs> you just did just now. Oh, tell me about, I'm curious, and like, you may need to tell people a little bit of like what you do, sure. um, like right now, but I'm I'm curious to know, especially for people who uh, go through, get a form of education and then they pivot and they do Mm -hmm. something different. That is their original intent of education, which you've kind of got some of that, but also like the, the walking out of an academy and trying Mm -hmm. to learn how, like learning, like what sticks and what doesn't from that experience. Can you just kind of tell people like 
what yeah. what stuck with communications and what what hasn't and maybe share that through your experience of what you do yeah sure so i currently work at the hills church the west fort worth campus as the connections minister which means i work with all of our first time guests and all of our mm-hmm. sunday morning volunteers um but i'm going to back up just a bit to when we were freshmen in college Zane will probably remember this greatly, but poor sweet young freshman Bailey was very lost. She just had she had sparkles in her eyes, but she had no idea where she was going. And so I um, went into college <laughs> undeclared, undeclared, and I don't know if they still I've do this. That. But when I was a freshman, if you went into college undeclared, you got to go to this beautiful place called Undeclared Chapel. It was not as beautiful as I had hoped because what they tell you in undeclared chapel is you cannot graduate undeclared. That's like all they told us is like, I'm so sorry that you found yourself in this predicament. Here's some like coaching that you can get and like you can take a test and we'll help you figure out what you want to do, but you can't graduate undeclared. And I would leave those. It was like once a month, once a quarter, I don't know, um, that you do like. Uh chapel for your department and since you have no department you go to undeclared so i go to undeclared chapel they tell us about this like aptitude test i leave like near tears and i'm calling my dad and i'm like dad i have no direction in life what am i even gonna be i have no idea and he's like just do the do the test like see what happens so i take the test and go to this like coaching where they tell me i would be a great teacher like an elementary teacher I'm like, okay, that doesn't really sound like me, but if the test says it, then maybe the test knows more than me. So I immediately declare elementary ed because I have to get out of undeclared chapel. So I spend about no I'm very stressed about undeclared chapel. I know. It was it was very stressful. They're just like trying to funnel you out, and that was fine. It just was like very stressful for my personality. So I'm like, fine. I get yeah. into the education department. We start talking about the star test. I'm like, oh gosh, I didn't grow up in Texas. I don't know anything about this. I quickly pivot from elementary education to middle school. I'm like, middle schoolers are awesome. So they send me to one of the middle middle schools in town to shadow sixth grade English class. What could go wrong? So I spend a whole day shadowing sixth grade English class. And I called my mom after and I said, this is not my degree. It's not going to happen. I'm not going to be a teacher. Oh. And she's like, well, what are you going to be? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. But I can't be an educator. These kids are nuts. I cannot do this. And so. <laughs> are we still in freshman year? No, this is like sophomore year. So I've taken like all these, like I have okay. long worn out the whole like you need these ones that you have to take to graduate, all these like prerequisites, you know, come to 11, I've taken the core classes. I've taken every Bible class. I have like three minors at this point. And they're like, you've got to pick a major. (laughs) I'm like, oh gosh. So I'm on the phone with my parents who are just like as gracious as can be. And are not stressed that we are continuing to pay for my education that has no direction. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't know what to do. And my mom gets on the ACU website and starts looking at all the degrees. And she's like, what about communication? You talk a lot. You like communicating. And I was like, I almost didn't pass my speech class in high school because my teacher told me that I was better talking to everyone when I was sitting down than when I had to stand up and present. Like I got too nervous and I couldn't do it. I was like, how does speech sound like a good idea for me? And she's like, I don't know, just go, maybe go talk to the professors and see what it's about. And I was like, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to declare communication. <laughs> I declare communication as my major, knowing nothing. I'm like, really what, could go, what could go wrong? I've already worn out the elementary education department. So anyway, I transferred to communication and I started just taking the classes and learning just a myriad of things like communication is very specific but also very broad so there's a lot of different routes you can go as far as like 
family counseling or conflict resolution, or you can go down like corporate communication, crisis management. Um, and mm-hmm. so I just soaked it all in. I was like, this is amazing. I love this so much. And I loved getting to see different parts of culture be played out within my degree. I took a class called Pop Culture and Rhetoric. Um, I don't know if it's still offered, but if it is, even if you're not in the communications department, it's the best class in the world. You should take it for sure. Um, It was so fun. But I think the things that I took away from that degree um, were more just about like working hard and not deciding things too quickly. Like I probably should have done a little bit more research into what my degree was going to be, but not saying like, I don't know, it wasn't such a hard thing to be like, it's okay to not know, I guess is what I should have decided. It's like, it's okay to not know. But now that I'm in this seemingly totally different sphere, I do use my communication like a lot. Um, So just like, I don't know. This is going to sound silly, but my very favorite quote that I used in every textbook, not every textbook, it's from a textbook. I used it in every paper that I could for every class. I tried to get this one quote into every paper because it was my favorite. I just like, I think it's brilliant. And so um, I'm looking at my phone, but to, I don't think I have the actual like book that it's from, but um. The quote is, the real world is built upon the language of the group. And basically, we're saying, like, the things we talk about are the things we care about. And I think that that has helped me as I Hmm. communicate with volunteers and guests and people to know, um, you know, that's not rocket science to know that what someone's talking about is what they deeply care about. But being able to really tune into that and Uh be more aware as people communicate with me and to me and then... um, as I communicate with them, helping them know what God cares about, what God sees in them, and also just what our church cares about. So that was a really long answer to a really easy question. <laughs> well, no, no, because it has a lot of complexity behind it of like yeah. the answer that goes into it. It took yeah. me a long time to figure out what so I wanted what, to do. Uh-huh. uh-huh. But, and what yeah. what contributed so so you didn't you didn't go straight to connections. You mm-hmm. went to student first and then you've made and this has been pretty recent that you've made this switch. Yeah. What what have you kind of learned in making those and making that transition and that switch? Yeah, so I mean, again, little Ashi Billy, I was in my undergrad. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my communication degree, um, but I was working at Highland, working with you, working with Sarah Campbell and Jeremy Glover, and I was really enjoying that time, but I was like, I don't think anyone will hire me, which sounds like so mean to myself, which I was mean to myself, but I also had not Mm. seen um, anyone who looked like me in the kind of job that I wanted. And so I was Mm. like, I I just don't know if it's possible. And so I was like, dad, I don't know what I'm going to do. And he's such a good dad. He was like, well, why don't you get your master's degree? And I was like, that sounds hard, but all right. So I stuck around and got my master's degree. And I distinctly remember the day Jeremy called me. I was working on a paper that I was very much procrastinating. And he called and asked if I would want to spend the summer at the hills in student ministry and I was like well I guess I don't have any other plans and so I spent that summer at the hills and Jeremy during that summer transitioned to being campus minister of our campus and he said I'll do that if I can hire her as a student minister which was maybe like the nicest thing anyone ever said to me (laughs) I was like oh my gosh and so now I had a job And I finished my master's degree before virtual school was cool. And it was like the hardest year and a half of my life trying to, you know, transition. And then out of student ministry, they asked me to do 
connections. And so it's been a long road, but I think I don't really care what position they put me in. I am really grateful to be able to serve Fort Worth and to, I'll do whatever they ask me to do because I think that church is super important and it's super important in the area where we're serving. And so I do whatever they ask Mm. me to do. (laughs) I'll clean the bathroom, but I'm just grateful to be here. Yep. Yeah. So. Yeah. Tell me about, (laughs) so you've been in this, I mean, what we've, you've been doing this full time, what, five years? About three and a half. Six years? Three and a half. Okay. Um, what, um, see a lot, a lot of the stuff that you do is very much creating environments for people, Mm -hmm. um, to be able to experience like the transcendence of God and, um, be able to worship God and learn about the nature of God. You cultivate relationships and relationships with God. What, what's kind of been your key so far? I mean, doing it young is always really hard. I mean, you and I have kind of talked about sometimes like, you just feel like you're floating when you're a really young minister, just because all the people you see are way older than you that are still mm-hmm. in it, or you've got a lot of uh, friends or colleagues that are just like, "Peace out, I'm, I'm out of this." Yeah. What, what's been the major key for you, like sustaining your relationship with God, while you've also, you know, been helping other people develop their relationships with each other and God as well? Yeah, that's so good because um, you do see a lot of young people either leaving church or feeling like really proud of where they are and I think when it comes to cultivating a space for others I always thought this was so cheesy when people said it and now I'm gonna say it but you really can't pour from an empty cup and so that time Mm. with God just me and God is very important um, because I can't take people where I've never been and so I Mm. also find it very important to not ask people to do things that I don't do. So we have some things that we ask people to do when they join Mm. our church. You know, we want you to be in a relationship with God, worshiping regularly. We want you to be in a community group. We want you to give generously. And I can't ask people to do those things if I'm not doing them myself. And so Mm -hmm. I think there's this Mm -hmm. authenticity of saying, I'm only going to lead you in a place where I'm going, um, that keeps me with God. Like we're very, like, we've got to be real with each other so that I can be real with the people that I'm serving. Um, and just being very humble as we walk and learn, because I am very aware that I don't know most of what I'm doing, (laughs) that they have been generous to let me serve in this position. (laughs) so yeah yeah and it's almost like those things become an on-ramp because as you wrestle through you know the ask that you're asking them and you've done that you know the language and the on-ramps to even use for people of like yeah like I don't know how many times I've said I know what you're thinking and literally in my mind I've said I know what you're thinking because literally I've thought that (laughs) and what we're asking or talking about or Um, what God may be calling for their lives like so it gives it gives it helps you not feel hollow it sounds like is what you're saying yeah I don't want to be um a leader who is not also doing those things who's like Mm -hmm. yeah you should totally give generously and then not be doing that myself would I would feel like a fraud and I think that would distance me from the people who I am leading and so to me, it's just really important to do the things that I'm asking them to do as well. Mm-hmm. But I do think it gives mm-hmm. a lot of language, just like you're saying that um, I can say I've been where you've been. Like it's, there have been times where it's hard to do that or, you know, wow, you do have to get up early if you're going to have a long day and make sure you connect with God before you go do whatever. And so, but that way I can say I'm in it yeah. too. Tell me about your experience. I'll tell you about mine. Yeah, it's almost like, like, stop telling people, like, to be relatable and just do the path that (laughs) we're all doing together and you will naturally become more relatable. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so can we, uh, can we talk about the man for a minute? Absolutely. He's my favorite. 
<laughs> the man who is Anthem, this legendary six. This uh-huh. one who got water in the bathtub long before the water ran out at Jill's house. I know. What a hero. <laughs> yeah, in the midst How of long? our uh, winter winter meltdown. Yeah. We are prepared. Yeah, we're, we're recording this right now while Texas just got absolutely slammed by snow. And you would think that we didn't even know what snow was. Yeah. <laughs> um, like I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure like the phrase, <laughs> the phrase, uh, let it snow, let it snow. It just hits different now. <laughs> yeah. We won't be what saying that anymore. Sorry, go ahead. No, you, you go for it. But I was going to say, I think I've told more people this week, like my husband and others around us that, um, I'm tired of living through all these historic events. Um, so if we can be done with those, I think our generation has seen enough and it made enough history. <laughs> would be would be good. Yeah. It is crazy to think of how our grandkids will actually like have moments to associate with the time span that we're actually on the earth. That's right. You know, that's like that's <laughs> really unique, but also no one tells them how exhausting it is. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> y'all been married how long we've been married for two years and a few months we got married okay. in 2019 yep yep the very beginning um, of it yeah would you would you walk people because you you had a very uh you had a very clear posture in college with how you approached dating it's the only thing um, that and then <laughs> yeah. oh, <good> night. <laughs> that was your roast not mine yeah um, I roast myself <laughs> that was, you, are, you are stellar at communication that was a beautiful twist of that it was true it was true she was so lost no. i'm um, speed bumping that um mm-hmm. Yeah, so you had a very clear posture towards dating, uh, and then Anthony kind of walked into the world, like, post-college, and you were like, huh? And we were all like, huh? Like, we were all kind of like, oh, like, she's content. Would you kind of walk, like, walk us through the thought process, if any, like, major conversations of just what, what helped you discern that you were going to date Anthon and then move into the idea of doing a commitment with him long-term. Yeah. I mean, no one was quite as close at the beginning as you. Cause I think we had a conversation. I distinctly remember sitting in the parking lot of the Fort Worth zoo because I needed my GPS, but didn't have it turned mm-hmm. on. And so I remember talking to you as I was like in Fort Worth, Anthon had asked me on a date and I was like, I yep. don't know. I feel like I'm coming back yep. to Abilene. Like at this point, I didn't know I was staying in Fort Worth. And so I was like, I just don't right. want to do a long distance relationship. I've already done that. This just, I don't know. But he keeps saying like, I think we need to just consider it. And I was like, what is going on? So to back up, I remember, <laughs> I remember in like my growing up years, my dad would we whenever we were driving somewhere it was me I have three brothers they're all younger than me and we would all be in the car and I remember my dad saying does anyone have any questions like about life anything and my brothers would have no way just an open blanket sheet oh yeah just like open you have any questions because he was like I want you to learn I want to be able to tell you before someone else at school tells you and so I was like, no, I have no questions. I don't want to know anything. I'd prefer to not talk. And my brothers would just be like, (laughs) absolutely. They ate it up. They asked so many questions. But I remember from those times, my dad talking about dating and talking about it as it relates to marriage. There was never this like dating is just for funsies and like just have a great time it was always like you date with intention. And so I think that set me up to not be guarded. Like I don't, I hope not. I mean, you can tell me, but I don't think I was like guarded in a way that was aggressive. I just was very sure that I would know what I wanted when the time came and I wasn't just going to, Mm. I don't know. I wasn't very interested in just like, hanging out with people without 
people hang out with boys with no no consequences like to me I felt like it did have consequences if anyone's heart was involved and so um I didn't want to just use it lightly and so anyway all that to say um (laughs) I did date one boy in high school and I knew immediately that it was a bad decision um but I dated him for six months anyway (laughs) whoops it's fine we broke up we're both married now it's all good but um yeah after that I only had one other boyfriend before I met my husband and when Anthony so Anthony and I met at church camp this summer I was an intern at the hills and he was doing some production things for I know classic and just like so God because when I was a student I loved church camp like I went to church camp every summer it was my place I would spend a whole month there in the summer so it was not surprising to me that that's where I met Anthony um but he asked me if I wanted to go to a Gunger concert in Dallas and I was like I don't know a ton of their music but I know a few of their songs so it sounds fun and so we did that we went and saw Star Wars light show in the park which if you've never been to the concerts in the park at the botanic gardens in fort worth in the summertime it is so fun oh my gosh you guys need to come we'll go we'll go if they have it this summer they canceled it last summer but if they have it this summer we'll come it's so fun and you just get a blast oh my gosh we have a ton of friends we like everyone gets a picnic blanket camp out a big place it's so fun so that was one of our first dates we went there um and so we're going on these like dates he lived towards North Richland Hills, and I was staying in Lido, so it was, like, quite a drive for both of us to hang out, and so <laughs> at one point, I'm like, I just don't know, like, if I move back to Abilene, I'm not really interested in doing this long distance, and he said, I think we just need to pray about it, and I was like, okay, you pray about it, I'm going back to Abilene. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he was so faithful to pray about it and I was just like I'm so confused so to no one's surprise but mine I end up staying here and he's like perfect we're still together and I was like I guess so yeah and so I just was like wow this is crazy but um I don't know it was just really cool to see how God crossed our paths and has kept us in the same spot. And I think without him reminding me of just little things that I loved about Anthony, I would have been like, nah. but because of all of the, his character and the way people at the Hills were talking about him, I was like, this guy must be really unique. And he is. Now he's mine forever. <laughs> mm. Yeah. So you, you really did factor in what other people were saying about yeah. him as well in that discernment process. Well, I think that might have been unique to our situation, too, because we weren't friends before we started dating. And so if I had had time mm-hmm. to be his friend, I think I would have known. But because like as people started hearing that we were hanging out, they were like, you won't find anyone steadier or... Um, I had a lot of people tell me, so there's like a prayer meeting at the Hills on Monday mornings at the North Richland Hills campus. And Anthony was always there Mm -hmm. and he didn't have to be, but it was something that he cared about. So they'd be like, Anthony is a strong man of God. Like you need to know that. And I was just like, I feel like I didn't know that, but okay. Like I believe you. And so there, (laughs) it was just things that I felt like God was reinforcing what I was seeing more than I was taking into account. Yep what people thought of him that it was more of a reinforcement if mm-hmm. that makes sense mm-hmm. so. and what um so now that now that you know this uh this went just all the way what what would you say is kind of um what's been the most forming thing for you now that you've been two and a half years into this i think you can probably attest to this but uh, marriage is not for the faint of heart and Anthony and I are both like very even keel like we our feathers don't get rustled very easily either of us um 
And so we don't like have these like explosive fights or anything. We just have these like that really bothered me. And okay, I won't do that again. <laughs> like we were just kind of very <laughs> passive. Um, but I think marriage has just taught me. I don't know. You just learn the power of teamwork and how much communication it takes. Um, but Anthon has all the strengths. So I just kind of sit and I'm like, gosh, I have so much work to do on myself to make this better. Like <laughs> Anthon has all the strengths, but uh-huh. um, yeah, uh-huh. you just learn that things like doing the laundry or getting dinner ready or whatever it is are not just those tasks like it's service to that person but also enabling them to do whatever they need to be doing during that time so if I'm folding the laundry Anthony's not having to fold the laundry he's able to be working on whatever he needs to do to be on mission and it's like it's not just folding laundry anymore we're a team and we're doing things that help each other keep going and keep helping create more disciples and Uh so it takes those little things and makes them into much bigger things. Yeah. I think that can be true. Yeah, if you're yeah that's too. good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wish, <clears throat> I wish someone would have, someone would have given me a heads up. That's like, yeah, like I'd heard the bits about like, you will be sanctified through this. Right. Um, no one tells you that part of that sanctification process is learning, uh, the depths of how bad of a person you can be. Right. Like just because we don't have these like explosive marital fights, like that doesn't mean that there aren't days where I'm like, Holy cow, I'm a failure. You know, like, yeah. Ooh, I let him down in a big way or Ooh, that really hurt his feelings or whatever it is. Like there are those moments where you're just like, Oh yeah. Wow. The the flip side is, is that you can also speak to it in a way that no one else can speak to it because they've now become the closest human being that can voice that in a way that's like, oh, like sometimes I don't, I don't want that to happen, but man, that formed something in me through that being a miscommunication or a letdown or any of the words that you just said that you run into with it. Totally. Yeah. And being able to remind them, I think, you know, when you're feeling down or whatever, you have done something wrong, you also learn the power of your words of, I can either affirm that, yes, you did ruin everything, or I can say, yeah, that really disappointed me, but here are also the things that I really appreciated that you did today, or here are the things I've really appreciated that we've been going through lately, or, you know, whatever, you have this opportunity to turn something around and so Mm -hmm. the power of our words has like double you know double impact Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's not just what i'm telling myself it's also yeah so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um yeah i thought uh, i thought for a minute you were going to get a complete dig there because you said it just takes so much communication and after you've done two degrees in communication i was, I was like wow Vale's great job like wait bring it all the way around up here but yeah just keep so much okay, let, so let me shift you with the with the different question um okay. as we're kind of moving towards a wrap-up um what'd you learn yeah let's go with this what'd you learn in the past that you appreciate in the present? Like what was something that formed you early on? It could be several years ago, but mm-hmm. you're thankful for it now. I think that this kind of goes back to what I was talking about to reevaluate um, what I was eating. So I went mm-hmm. through a season. Um, it was in that time where I had just been hired at the Hills. I had moved to a new city. I had a new roommate. Anthony and I were dating. I was trying to finish my master's degree and write my thesis and defend my thesis. Um, And so there was just a lot going on there. And there was a lot of moving parts and a lot of learning and um, just trying to like be an adult for the first time ever of like, hey, your taxes are due. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm independent. Like I'm doing my own taxes now. (laughs) Um, People get ahead of that. (laughs) Anyway. So. Totally. During that time, I 
just had like this imploding stress that I wasn't dealing with well. And I ended up right before we got married, seeing a doctor who's like my best friend now. Um, we, I go there twice a year just to get checked in on and make sure everything's still good. But I had some problems. I had to get my blood tested and just, um, there were some dietary things that needed to change. And like, I had some really low vitamin levels that we've adjusted for, but looking back, I think a lot of it was just the way I was dealing with stress. And so the things that I've learned from that season, I feel like are how to not let myself get there again of if everything's swirling around, it doesn't help for me to not take care of me. And it's that like put your oxygen mask on before you put everyone else's on, you know, the kid next year or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. If I'm not doing okay, then nobody's doing okay that I'm trying to serve. And so Mm -hmm. that is probably the biggest thing I learned from that season is I have to be well, or I'm not going to be serving at my highest potential. Mm -hmm. So we probably have a lot of people who, understand that place you just described are in it like Mm -hmm. currently right now can you give an example of what it looks like to put the oxygen mask on for yourself instead of saying i'm going to try to go a little bit further without using this oxygen or taking this yeah i mean i think if if you were describing bailey in grad school or even undergrad zane i think you would say bailey was going 300 miles an hour and was like not worried about stopping not worried about slowing down and would easily add more to her plate even though she was severely overwhelmed and Mm. was just like kind of proud of like how much she could handle and how many plates she could spend Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I think Bailey now in 2021 would say don't be afraid to say no if the opportunity that you want is the opportunity that you need, like there will be another one, like either you take that one and say Mm -hmm. no to something else, or you say no to that thing. Mm -hmm. And if it's something that you really wanted to do, or if it's something you were, you know, meant to do or whatever, there will be another time where it comes up. So don't be afraid to Mm -hmm. say no to things. Mm -hmm. Like there's no scarcity mindset of opportunities be really faithful to the things that you're doing and do them really well instead of trying to do a hundred things and rest like mm-hmm. really hard. Like just really rest. Yeah. Go for a walk, bake a cake, read a book, just like spend time you, you and God and don't be ashamed of blocking that time off. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, is interesting to hear you say because Like, I feel like you and I walk through the stage of the narrative of like, say yes, like say yes to everything. Yeah. Um, And that, that has, that has validity for certain personalities, but Mm -hmm. that is not meant for every personality. Right. Um, Especially when you've got all of these different capabilities to use to say, say yes to everything teaches a way of life that post that small four years, five years, eight years, whatever it is, does not suffice to. Unsustainable. Yeah. And I think that was a big part of my experience was I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I just said yes to everything. I was like, well, maybe Mm -hmm. this was a thing. And Mm -hmm. I think it was wrong. I don't know that I would change it because I learned a lot from it. But um, coming out of that, it almost felt like my life went from 300 to like 20%, you know, it was like, yeah. Oh, I have one thing now. And it's this, you know, once the thesis was done, once we were married, once we had settled in, I was like, what? But now just learning to walk at a different pace instead of like sprinting constantly mm-hmm. has proven to be a much more sustainable rhythm. I think there's still like super yeah. busy seasons that you end up in and, not to anyone's fault. I don't think you say no all the time. There are other, there are times where it's like more busy, more revved up and that's great. But learning to live at a pace that's more sustainable, I think is more sustainable. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and I had a I had a mentor who framed it to me like this when I got near my breakdown post college time was he was like, Hey, the best the best strength you gain from that season is you know you have the capability to get through large amounts of things. You are not meant to live that constant state, but you do develop muscles enough to be like, all right, it's August. We got to gear up. We know for the next four weeks, this is going to be very large, very massive. But then you ramp it back down afterwards, and it helps you kind of go with the flow of life. Like, we're newborn parents. We're not sleeping very much. You know, like you – Sorry, you did this with all nighters. We just added a new human being into the mix. You know, like (laughs) you know, so those those things happen. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Who who are you learning from a lot these days? And not don't uh, don't give us someone that's just a personal closeness, but like who are you just learning from in the public sphere right now? Yeah, yeah. On the internet, I think no one will be surprised at my answer, but I feel like Annie Downs is my youth minister I never had and so now she's become like yeah I didn't have a youth minister growing up I mean we can talk about that on another show but she never heard anyone phrase it like that yeah I never had a youth minister my dad has preached at a pretty small church for um 25 years now and so growing up in the midwest where most people are Lutheran or Catholic there just weren't a lot of kids at our church. And so we always joked that these group was me and my brothers. And so when I was in middle school, Annie was writing for this magazine, this like girls magazine. It was like the cheesiest thing in the world called, I shouldn't name it. Anyways, she was um, writing for this magazine (laughs) and um, she was only in it like every other month. And I would only read it on the months that she was in it. And I would just like fold the page over and only read her section. Well, then she published her first book. Um, and I think it was really a small, like, I think it might have been self-published, the first one, um, that she really printed just for the girls who she was doing small group for. Like she was ministering to these like middle schoolers. And so she had like a small run of it and they printed about it. And I was like, ordered, done and so I have that original one they've reprinted it it's like a new thing like they have retitled it renamed it and um so I've been following her since I was in like seventh grade and I continue to be impressed with the way that if I looked at her life when I was in seventh grade to now she has continued to grow as and teach us as she goes along it's not just like there are things obviously we do in private that we learn, but she also is very good at showing the public what she's learning and not be embarrassed when she messed up. So, mm. um, yeah, I, don't know. I just, I really honor her for that and appreciate what she's taught me along the way. Yeah. 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 I, yeah, that just, that full, that, that full stopped me. Bales. I've never, <laughs> cause I, I have wondered, I've wondered at times what, because there's so many people that move towards Annie for different reasons, but I've never heard someone say she's the youth minister that I never had. But that totally makes sense of like yeah. giving a voice for someone that can help you in a formation side. Yeah. You just didn't have. And I think, I think if I were to take your words of what you just said, I think the brilliance of what Annie does with her posture is that she she helps us learn how to be a learner opposed to being one of those people that is like, learn from me these things. Right. She's the, she's the one, like I, I heard her in an interview, this may have been with Eddie, but I heard, I heard her just say, I know my lane. Yeah. I know I'm not, I know I'm not meant to be a scholar. I know I'm not meant to be the preacher that leads the entire group. I'm the friend that you sit down with at coffee that says, Hey, you know, a lot of things about this and I want to know more about it. And that, that is like such a, like, yeah, that's just such a great, we don't have very many voices that teach us how to learn opposed to learn from me. Yeah. And I think she's very public, but not concerned about being the most trendy or the most cool. And I just really appreciate because there are a lot of people who, that is true for and that's not her she's like if you're here I'm so glad you're here and I really appreciate how she talks about on her podcast just like I'm trying to pass you off to the next person like 
I want to connect mm. you with Here's Truth and Shiri's Truth because they're going to help you. If you don't know God, this is a touch point and I'm passing you off to them because I want you to be able mm. to be deeper discipled or I want to try pass you off to these other podcasts too where you can learn more. So it's not always just about her and I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. No, for real. Yeah. Have you uh, have you gotten into That Sounds Fun? The book? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's finished. I read it. It's amazing. Oh, it's done. You've read <laughs> oh, it all. Yeah. Of course. Of course. Yeah, I've read it. I think it's amazing. And I don't know. I think she does a great job of making really fun things have like a point. So it's not like yep. this, it's not John Mark Homer where it's super deep. Um, mm-hmm. But you walk away thinking, I just had coffee with a friend and had a really good like thought bubble come out of that. Like I, I did think deeply through it, but it's not theology. So like you're saying, she knows her yeah. language. She's amazing. Huge fan. Yeah. No, she's there. Well, uh, since you have your copy and I have my copy, then. But the Target about, edition. Uh, absolutely if you're i you have really, the journaling I, in the back I, that's who you are oh my goodness like care was feeling bad the night that like the final night that this came out for like new york times bestseller and i was like babe we need to go to target and she was like no i'm not going to target i was like well can i go to target and she was like yeah. absolutely go get that book so how about i read uh I read uh, my favorite quote so far, and then okay. we'll finish with your favorite quote. And uh, yeah. that'll be this episode. How about that? I'll do this episode on okay. Ian's podcast. And then go ahead. All right. So mine's going to be, uh, this is going to be on the dock. And uh, I, I, this, this is still sticking with me. Very simplistic, but also very, very real for me. And I'll tell you this, this changed my posture as a pastor when I read this. Oh, I'm so excited um, to hear it. Okay, it's uh, basically she gets to the end of the chapter in the doc on page A2, and she says, I'm no professional at grieving, but honestly, none of us are. We're all amateurs at loving and losing because each circumstance and situation is different. Every relationship, every friendship, all of it's different. That, that to me, shifted how I sit and listen to people because I have to remind myself even though I have walked through many different griefs, mm-hmm. every grief is new and different for people. And that, that was, that was a huge turning point for me is like, even, even my personal griefs, I will be a new learner at this grief because it's different than the previous. And it's nothing like I've known before. Cause that thing has always been constant in my life up till now. Yeah. So that, that that's was mine. So that that was the one that shifted. Like that's gonna shift how I sit and listen to people. Yeah. Well, now I'm almost embarrassed to read mine. It's no, you um, shouldn't be. much more lighthearted. <laughs> no, day, go for it. She says on page seventy four. This is in the chapter on Dollywood. After her and her friends had kind of a rough experience, um, she says most anything can be fun. It just depends on us. Mm. I underline that as well. Mm-hmm. So super good. I just think that it's like what we always say, you know, like it's the glass half full or glass empty type of lifestyle. You get to decide how you're going to deal with each situation. So even winter Armageddon <laughs> and the power and the water and, you know, everyone's piled into one house, you get to decide. So, just everything can be fun. It only depends yep. on That quote's very relevant for you right now, correct? Yeah, the, quote, the quote feels a little too close to home today, so I'm going to have to table it till tomorrow. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Bales, thanks so much for coming on the podcast and being willing mm-hmm. to quote Annie books and also just drop... I'm seriously, you just dropped so much on the food piece that was like, oh my goodness, wow. Yeah, it's my favorite thing to talk about. So I don't know. I just think we under undervalue our food. That's all. Absolutely, and you brought that to light. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, people are gonna be like, oh my gosh, that girl.
Thanks for having me, though. I'm really glad to be here. Absolutely. It was really fun. Mm, that is Bailey Blake in the flesh. All of her. All of it. You gotta right. love it. Right there. What uh care you're with me right now? What what's your uh what's your fondest memory with uh Bailey Play which probably would have been Bailey Kate at the time. Yes, it would have been Bailey Kate. Uh yeah, Bailey and I have so many memories of being in retreats together and all kinds of things when y'all were working together. Um her and I got to spend a lot of time. Mm-hmm. So I would say late nights during retreats, staying yeah, staying up way too late, eating too much food. Mm-hmm. All, all the laughter that comes with those late nights. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in that season, we also went to tea to go all, the, all time. the time, all the time, all the, like that was the only place that we were, mm-hmm. if we were not yep. <laughs> at school. So yep. that was where that cavity started. Right. Right. Exactly. Yep. Uh, okay. So what, uh, we wrap this up sometimes by talking about, uh, any news that we need to know in the uh, current times, anything we need to know to stay current. Well, uh, you probably, all listeners, you already know by now, but the snowpocalypse or snowvid, mm. as Zane likes to call it, Classic. happened this week. Uh, we are actually recording this right on the tail end of the snow finally melting away and mm-hmm. us getting out of the house for the first time. So mm-hmm. it's been quite a time, but we've survived. And uh, Aslan has returned. Yes. Yes. It's, I mean, it's been a rough week. Of course, it's been pretty devastating for quite a few people across Texas, especially, mm-hmm. but um anyway just thankful that we're rounding out uh this time and moving on to to warmer weather for sure um yeah i think that's the biggest thing yeah Uh, the best part was though was that we both worked from home during the season Mm -hmm. and uh my favorite memories of this week are interrupting you about every 20 minutes just to remind you that i'm home with you Mm -hmm. we just want to spend time together yeah that's real cute every once in a while you just turned into a gen z on me where you just walk in and be like babe you have to see this youtube video (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but some of them were funny you they to. were they were your youtube video game has uh gone up yeah. so yeah if you uh run to a texan hug them they're probably still cold so they'll take the warmth of your hug <laughs> <laughs> oh one uh news about next week we will uh be taking a sabbath week uh care and i and also deja who's the vibe director for on to something we will all be on a retreat next week, so there will be no on to something dropping next Tuesday because uh, we're just going to take a break for a week, and then we'll uh, be back to our normal rhythm. And don't worry, you'll get your God thing, relationship thing, their thing, and an interview because it's a five-week month. So uh, where can people keep up with the news, Care? Yes, yeah, so the best place to follow us is on Instagram at OnToSomethingPod. Uh, be sure to share, like, comment, you know, just tag us, all the things. We would love to hear from you and different things that you're taking away from the podcast. Mm-hmm. You can also find us on our website at mm-hmm. onsomething.com. That is onto something, babe. Does that have a G or does that not have a G? No, we're no G people. No Gs. Mm-hmm. Okay, so onto something. <laughs> I don't know. That's an awkward There was no good transition <laughs> to happen from there. Yeah. I kind of set you up for terrible improv. <laughs> Okay, well, that's all we've got in this awkwardness, so we're going to finish it. And just remember, until next time, friends, you are onto something. something.